I love podcasts. That might not surprise you to learn. You're listening to one of the two I regularly appear on. But they also eat up quite a lot of my multitasking time on a long drive or cleaning the house or taking a walk. I love music, but I spend a ton of my time devoted to podcasts. I was an early adopter of the medium even before Serial launched in 2014 and became a sensation. I was all in. That just took me to a whole new level. And a lot of what I listen to is in the vein of Serial. Great stories told by investigative journalists, ideally with an element of mystery, are some of my favorites. But I also like movie and TV podcasts and music podcasts. Once a week, I even listen to a food podcast. But this time of year and a lot of the year, basketball podcasts dominate my time. And I love all kinds. A lot of the ones I listen to are just weekly discussions of what's happening in the NBA, and that's great. But like I said, I love a mystery story, so I also appreciate a good twist. And my guest today, Dan Devine, has found one of those twists. He calls his new podcast Divine Intervention, and why wouldn't he? And he describes it as a self-help podcast about basketball. Now, it leans pretty heavy on the basketball, so don't be afraid of it. But it frames the basketball talk with gratitude and positivity. And as a podcast aficionado myself, I thought Dan would be perfect to come on here and talk not only about this new venture of his, but about the Thunder and this fascinating phase in franchise history. Because there's real joy in what's happening in Oklahoma City, but there's also a real challenge, and that is to live in the now. Everybody talks about the future of this franchise. Steve Kerr did it last week. Draymond Green did it. Tim McMahon at ESPN wrote about it. And the future, with its what-ifs and its pressure to win, can be pretty stressful. As a fan, how do you tune it out and enjoy what's right in front of you? Today, we're talking about that and more with Dan Devine of Yahoo Sports. I'm Brett Dawson, and this is Heard Thundering. Before we get to Dan Devine, I want to take a minute to thank the sponsors who support our show, MidFirst Bank, Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and your Oklahoma Ford dealers. Drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. As I told you in the intro, Dan Devine is the host of the new podcast, Divine Intervention, on the Yahoo Sports Ball Don't Lie feed, where he also co-hosts No Cap Room with Jake Fisher. Uh, he's a writer at Yahoo Sports, whose work you should read and can find via his Twitter account, still using Twitter like some of us, uh, at Your Man Divine. And weirdly, he is a person I feel like I know, but with whom I have never had an actual conversation until now. So Dan, thank you for being here and agreeing to actually talk to me. Oh, Brett, it's my pleasure. I'm really glad to to do this. It, it is weird to like, this is one of the ways where the internet flattens everything, but also makes it sort of further away. Like I do, I feel like I've known you forever, but actually getting to do this with you is, is a, a long time in coming. It's a real treat. And now in that introduction, you're like, he does this show. He does that show here. This is maybe too much of me. Maybe there should be less of me out there. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> Not enough, I think. I think there should oh, be right. more Dan Devine at all times is my basic <laughs> philosophy. I was looking back. You know, we've actually, it's weird because you're a person I don't know very well. Uh, and yet you're somebody who like I talked to when I got laid off at The Athletic. And, you know, like we've talked about some, you know, we, when I say talked about, we've had like Twitter conversations via DM right. about like, like pseudo serious things, which uh, you're very gracious to do that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I was talking to somebody about this earlier, and I don't know. I, to the extent that I have a brand as uh, in our line of work, I think it's that I, I'm the kind of person that you do that with. Um, I remember uh, Zach Harper uh, once was like, you're uncomfortably nice. And uh, <laughs> for, like, so, some coworkers that I had at The Ringer and some other people that I knew were like, you're sort of like overwhelmingly earnest. And I was like, I, I think all things considered, these there are worse things to be known for. Um, but I do think it's one of the things that I try to sort of suffuse the new show with is like, I am legitimately interested in the people that I'm talking to about their lives and their line of work, maybe even more so sometimes than their basketball takes, which I know like my bosses, I don't know that they love that. Uh, I think they want to make sure we get as much basketball takes as we can, but I'm right. ge generally and genuinely just as interested to talk with somebody about like what uh if there's a thing that they are afraid of or like what their kids want to listen to around the house or whatever that kind of stuff is at least i think it's part of it and it helps me get to know who i'm talking to better and helps you know maybe everybody else get to know me a little bit better too so uh yeah the fact that we've been able to have those kind of conversations over time is uh sort of a nice on-ramp to today because i don't feel like i'm do setting into an interview with somebody that has no idea who I am or that I have no idea who they are. We actually do know that stuff, which is a pretty cool foundation to do everything else. Yeah, for sure. And like, look, I think too nice is a pretty solid brand. Like nobody is like, 
Tim McMahon, too nice, you know, <laughs> just just too nice of a guy, you know? Yeah, I mean, listen, yeah, they're, they're, I've, I've been called worse things. I will be called worse things. But if that's what it goes with, uh, yeah, so far, so good. So I, I think your, your persona and this kind of um, your approachability and the things you talked about, about people's interests and their fears and stuff like that. I share a lot of this stuff, too. I, you know, I've had people I know on this podcast and I love that we live in this world where I can just talk to somebody I don't know that well and say, hey, come on the podcast. And let's talk about some stuff. Um, I think all of that stuff kind of leads into the new thing. And, and the new thing is fascinating to me because I heard you talk about it first on your other podcast that you're doing this thing, Divine Intervention. And as I told people in the intro, you're calling this a self-help podcast about <laughs> basketball. That's right. And like, I want people to know it's a basketball podcast. Like, you don't have to be afraid of what you're going to get there. But what what's the genesis of this idea of saying, let's frame a basketball podcast a little differently? Uh, it's a good question, because honestly, when somebody asks me, what does that mean, a self-help podcast about basketball? I, I'm like, I don't know. I, we're, we're figuring it out <laughs> week by week uh, and segment by segment sometimes. But when so the challenge for this kind of was what does a show like there's a million of a million of these kinds of shows and there's a million people who do it great and there's a million people who have their particular lens on it and they're sort of the way that they the prism through which they view the NBA and talking about it and so what is your version of that and like I'm not the smartest X's and O's guy I'm not the most flowery prose writer all the time there's a million there's lots of different things where I don't think I can be the best at any one area but the way that I view this stuff is often through how the uh, the an, uh, an, uh, analytical part of our brains and the emotional component of the way we interact with sports, where those two things sort of dovetail. And I think like I've known really smart people who have said, I'd, I, I had to kind of give up my fandom to do this because I needed to be like a sober analyst. And I tried that for a while. And then I found it like I found it kind of limiting. It was like, that's not it there's so few or there are there's a, there are many real problems and ills in the world and there are so few viable pathways to joy on a day-to-day -day basis for a lot of us so like if you found one grab that sucker with both hands and hang on to it and like squeeze as much as you can out of it and so when we were going to make the shows like if the if i could say one thing that comes out of this if somebody is like i had fun doing this and i feel a little bit better after listening to it than i did before i started and maybe like I picked up something cool about the way I the way I am a fan, like something something to look out for or something that's like it makes me smarter or makes me happier or, oh, I didn't notice that. That's something that I can pick up or like that guy talked about a book that sounds cool. I'll go read that, you know, yeah. whatever, like something this small that would help you feel a little bit happier and interact in the world a little bit better than maybe you did before you press play. That seemed to me a more achievable goal than like you are going to start doing this and be smarter than Zach Lowe. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen, you know, like, <laughs> or you're going to do this and you're going to be funnier than like, uh, the guys on the, uh, uh the no dunks guys, you know, that were for the right. basketball Jones and the starters, or you're going to whatever insert thing here. Like, I don't know that I can do that, but I know that I can at least put my lens on it and we'll see if people dig it. And, you know, so far so good. So first I want to say just for people who don't have this context, um, for you to do a basketball podcast and say, like, I really want this to be about finding joy and happiness. Like, you're a Knicks fan, Dan. That's the hardest thing in the world to do as a Knicks fan. You almost got a spit take out of me. But that's, <laughs> but, but that's exactly why. All right. So yeah. the, the, before this most recent uptick for the Knicks with uh, Tibbs last year and them being a playoff team, actually winning a playoff series, the most recent good Knicks season was, I think it was 2012. Uh, where yep, you were everybody like, was 38. Yes, they, they were super old, but they were also like, the, the, it was, you know, happy accidents where like injuries in the preseason led to Mike Woodson putting Carmelo Anthony at the four, uh, Jason Kidd in the backcourt next to, uh, to Raymond Felton. And all of a sudden it's like, we're playing two point guards all the time. We're playing a small ball four and we're shooting the, a ton of threes. And the Knicks, an identity formed and it was fun. It was like, this is the most consistently good basketball. It was also kind of like a precursor of what was to come in terms of the, like how frequently they were shooting from threes and like the way that they're, the way they structured that offense. And I was watching it and going like, well, this is clearly the best thing that's happened to the team that I grew up rooting for in ages outside of Linsanity. This is like the, but that was two weeks and this is a season. 
Yeah. And I watched this team play really interesting basketball and win 54 games. And I made myself not like it or made myself be like, well, I have to look at like, when is regression going to come for their three point shooting profile? And, uh, you know, when they go into the series against the Pacers, here's where the, the matchups are going to be issues. And like, that's yes, that's part of my job. But then you watch them not be good for another number of years. And you're like, I really should have taken the opportunity to enjoy that thing while I was watching it. Instead of I make trying to make sure everybody else thinks I'm a real sober professional. Like, yeah, that's fine. But also you're allowed to like stuff too. And so I try to now be a little bit better about finding that balance. I want, if you're going to read my, read my work, if you're going to listen to, we're kind of goofballs on no cap room and then divine intervention, we're figuring out what that is. But if we're going to, like, it's an actual basketball conversation, I want to try to make sure I have something intelligent or at least interesting to say about as many teams as possible and to back that up with the homework. But the part where, like, to, to do that in a way where I'm not allowing myself to access the fun seems like, you know, cutting off your nose to spite your face. Like that, that was maybe a, a good goal for me to establish myself as a professional when I was like a year or two into doing this full time. Now I've been fortunate enough to to do it for a while. And like, they're not going to fire me if I like something, right? Like you're, you're going to have the opportunity to actually enjoy it. So, uh, as long as I can do that without being like the kind of Knicks fan that act that, that actively thinks I hate the Knicks, because when I, you know, if, if I say something critical about them, it's like I'm a hater. So, um, you know, that finding that balance is, uh, I think it's worth it because as long as you're actually getting some of that positivity out of it, it's like, you know, raises the level everywhere else. That's a great. That's, we're going to put a pin in some of what you just talked about because sure. we are going to talk about the Thunder in much the same way about mm. enjoying a thing that's happening in the moment. We're going to get right. to that in a minute. I grew up a Knicks fan. It's not a thing I talk about a whole lot, you know, because like I'm one of those guys that I went to, you know, I went to journalism school and I think, oh, you know, hide your biases. And, yep. um, you know, my bias is that I grew up rooting for the Knicks. And so I do, in fact, hate the Knicks, you know, like that's, <laughs> that's right. That's exactly. what I was conditioned to do by growing up uh, rooting for them because yes. um, I joined, you know, I jumped on the bandwagon as a kid when they were good and did not, not know what kind of pain I was going to cause myself um, <laughs> with that. But I, I too wish I had enjoyed the Knicks when they were fun. Because the, really, the the, um, the I, I'm I'm old, so the Rick Pitino Knicks were the team that really got me yeah. interested in basketball, interested in NBA basketball beyond like Magic Johnson and you know Michael Jordan, like the, the team that made me that captured my imagination. And the thing that's so funny, Dan, they shot like 13 threes a game or something like that, some revolutionary, some number like that. And it was like, oh my god, what is this guy doing? Who is this yeah. Pitino? You know. No, absolutely. And like, and, and so, I mean, I don't blame you for hiding that, that fandom. It's a, it's a great shame. It's a, you know, a scarlet letter that we have to wear and we put the coat on top of it. But, um, but yeah, no, it's like, and that's something that hopefully if I'm, if I'm successful at any part, the, the, the two main goals I have with the work that, you know, doing this job is one, I want to make sure I'm not wasting your time. I'm not cheating you. So like, if you're going to read something I wrote, I want to try my best to make sure that it's got stuff in there that maybe you didn't know that I put, you know, I put time and energy and effort. Like I didn't just shortcut writing about that team or that player or whatever. Like uh, it's not just dashed off if, and hopefully it's the case. And then that when we're talking about it, I'm not leaving you with the impression that it's that, that it is homework, right? Like I did the legwork to go into it, to try to make it uh, you know, to back up the, the, the opinions that I have or the analysis that I'm pre presenting, but that we're doing it in a way where it's like, all of this is absurd and silly and let's have as much fun with it as possible because that's, if you're not doing that, then I think you're, you're, you're missing the point. Like, I don't care so much about being right about any of this. I think that's a hard thing too. Like it's so, especially we, the, the, the nature of the way that the, the ecosystem of writing about this stuff and talking about it has evolved into like, it's, whether it's predictions or being able to say, I told you so, or being able to like, I have my take and I stand by it, whatever. I'm wrong about so much stuff all the time. And the cool thing about that is when I'm wrong, that means I get to like actually look at why I was wrong and learn something and hopefully get two pieces of writing out of it or two segments of talking about it because there was the reason that I did it in the first place. And then when I get to make my mea culpa and we talk about it there, like good for everybody. And so like, if you're not taking, but like it's it, to get there, to get to that place, you got to be willing to not take yourself so seriously about it. And I think as I have been able to do that, 
my enjoyment of it has increased. And I think hopefully also the quality of the work has too. Yeah, that, that's great. I'm interested, you know, I'm interested in things that maybe um, you talked about the things that you like about the work and the things that interest you about it. I've always been sort of interested in connection. I'm interested in the way like players connect with each other and teams connect. I'm interested in the way um, people who live in these cities sometimes as kind of transients, they're here for half the year. Like how do they connect to the places they live and how do the, the fans in that city connect to those people or to those teams, that kind of stuff. I told my students when I taught journalism and I've talked about this before, I took a year of teaching sports journalism at Missouri. And I also told my students, you know, you don't, don't think about writing about sports, write about people and they have right. to play sports. So like, those are the things that interest me. And I find that people are interested a lot of times in the things that we find interesting. I, I used to be really afraid of putting any of myself in stuff. Um, mm. And they've encouraged me here at this, at this new job at Sellout Crowd. I do a newsletter. And so like when I go on the road, I, I tell people where I had coffee or right. where I got a beer or whatever. And like people are, are interested in that. It fascinates me that like that's a thing that sometimes people are sort of curious about. They like anything that's a little bit behind the curtain. And so I, I think one thing you've done a lot in your work, Dan, is like there's, there is some of you in everything you do. You're not really afraid of doing it. You and I had a conversation once about your wife being your your personal life editor, who's like, oh, maybe not, maybe this is going a little too far. Um, <laughs> that's right. But, but I, I love that idea that, that you're sort of always there. Well, that's a really nice compliment, Barrett. Thank you very much. I mean, that's, and it's, it's funny, you know, you had asked kind of like why, or when I, when I was going to do this show or when I, we started this, this, this sort of the second show, Divine Intervention, like what was the, well, you know, what were you looking to get out of it or what was the idea behind doing it? And one of the things was, oh, hey, they were like, you should, we're going to do another show. You should be the one that has the show, which is something that I actively initially <laughs> avoided because I, I was like, I don't know that I want to have something where my name's on it and my face is the, is the one that you see all the time. And my voice, like, all of it is my sensibility and my lens. Um, and I think that part of it was, I was a little bit worried about doing too much of that sharing. Like you're talking about, like, um, because if, if somebody doesn't like no cap room, and first off, why would you not li like no cap room? It's a wonderful, uh, fun time that Jake and I have. But if somebody doesn't like that, that is Jake and I work together and we work with producers and we try to come up with ideas and things to talk about. And I have some stuff to say and he has some stuff to say. Th but when it's me and like my name is in the title of the show and my, like, if the premise of that is here's what I think is interesting, I think is funny, I think is cool, who I want to talk to and what I want to talk to them about. If people don't like that, it's a little bit like, I don't like you. Yeah. And uh, yeah. that is a, an ego hit that's a little bit hard to take, right? You know, you, or you have to be willing to be vulnerable to that, which is something that I resisted a lot. And so when, but when the opportunity to do it came out, I had to kind of think about that and say, well, you, you have been, a, been willing to put some of yourself in your work and your writing and your social media presence, such as it is or whatever. Like, it's not like you, are opposed to the idea of sharing yourself with people. So then what, you know, what are you scared about with that? And the thing I come back to is it's not a very popular reference. I'm, I'm aware it's not current. There's a movie called Mr. Saturday night. It's an old Billy Crystal movie. Yeah. And he's plays like a Catskill comic who was a star in the early, early era of TV. And he talked about like his brother was, a, was a writer, a comedy writer, but never performed. And he would make fun of him for having, I don't want to like use any, you know, un, uncool language here, but like, uh, living room, uh, nads. Maybe we'll say that instead of, uh, uh, you know, huevos, living room huevos. Right. Let's say that meaning I'm willing to be funny in the living room. I'm willing to make the jokes here, but I wouldn't do it on stage. And I have felt a lot of times like, well, if I have the distance, the label, the la layer of abstraction of like, it's my writing and it's on a screen or I'm on somebody else's show or I show up for a radio hit somewhere else. There's only so much of me that's kind of out there. I can have the living room huevos. And this was like, do you want that forever? Or do you want to have the chance to like actually go out on the stage for a minute? And it's like, if I don't, if I don't take this opportunity, I, I might probably never going to get one. It hadn't happened in a, 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 you know, 10 or 11 years of doing this. Probably isn't going to happen again. At least you will always be able to say that you did it the one time. And uh, three episodes in, I've yet to be fired for it. And I've yet to be, uh, you know, like the Sandman hasn't come in and hooked my neck off the stage. So, you know, so far so good with it. But yeah, that, that idea of putting yourself in there. I was talking to somebody else earlier today, actually, where I was like, it, it never occurred to me that this personality 
would be something people would want more of. Like the amount that I put in my in my <laughs> writing was like yeah. unavoidable. Like I, I that's like it's how I was how I was like it, it made it, it's the voice that's it's in my head and it's the voice that came out when I was writing. So I was like, well, see, nobody wants more of that, surely. Uh, and uh, well, I mean, whether they actually do very much remains to be seen. I do not know how many listeners there are. I do not want to know how many listeners there are right now. Yeah. Um, but we'll find out. Um, and so, but the the early returns have been. Uh, at least suggest that there might be some people who are interested in it, uh, including uh, someone like you asking me to come and do your show. So, so far, so good. Well, it's incredible. This is like just incredible preaching to the choir happening right now because so much <laughs> of what you said I relate to. So much. I'm so uncomfortable right now because, like, oh no, I've not really, I've done a ton of podcasts in my life, but I'm never, you know, I'm off ball, you know, that's that's the right. way I play. Um, mm -hmm. and so somebody throws it to me and I can make a play. And then if I screw the play up, well, that guy should have made a different decision. The ball should have gone somewhere else. Um, and so like, yeah, the, the idea of like being on camera when they did the logo for this podcast, I was like, just don't put my face in the logo. That's all I care about. You know, just like something else, put Shea Gildas Alexander in it, but don't put me. Um, so that's all, it's all very, very relatable. When I tell people, I've talked to some friends of mine about the fact that, you know, I, I know this guy who's doing a, a basketball self-help podcast and they're like, what? <laughs> um, one of the things I say is that part of it is the tone and, and there's some intentionality in, I think, some positivity and gratitude in it. Mm -hmm. um, you start the show kind of with a thing. Like the one thing I'd like to stress to people is that when you say self-help, it's not like I get up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, like all those people that tell you how to live your life and they tell you that you yes. should be getting up before dawn and eat three <laughs> eggs in a glass and then go to the gym and all that stuff before everybody else wakes up. You, it's you not don't that, think I, but you it, don't think I exude that my physical profile does not suggest <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm rising and grinding with the burpees and the four eggs. No. Yeah. I don't know your life, Dan. Maybe, <laughs> maybe so it's a, it's a big flannel. We don't know. Um, I, but I, I would say it's it, there is some positivity in it and some gratitude in it. And I think one of the things I've written about this quite a lot since I got here and I've talked about it on social media to the point that people are probably sick of hearing it. But I, you know, I had a pretty good career doing this for a while and then it just was gone. It just wasn't there anymore. And so, you know, Mark Dignall, when he uh, got up at Media Day this year, somebody asked him about Chet Holmgren. And he said the first thing he said he wanted Chet to focus on was not like, um, feeling comfortable with his foot or how would he fit with Shea Gildas Alexander or whatever. It was gratitude. Just be grateful that you missed the year and now that's over, that you worked your way through it. Be grateful that you're here every day and you get the opportunity to do this. And I try to do that all the time in my work now because it, it did go away. And I realize how fleeting it is now and you don't have it forever. Um, and so you do, you sort of start the show with uh, not get up at 4 a.m. And, and, you know, <laughs> uh, do battle ropes for a half hour. Um, but with the things that you're grateful for, um, which I really appreciate. I like that you do that. And one of them is always that you get paid to do this, right? That you yes, have a job that right. pays you to do this. And, and in, in 2023, that's a thing as journalists, we should all be really grateful for. Um, so tell me, tell me something today. Tell me something beyond those things, Dan, that is making you grateful today. Don't say this podcast or I will smack you in your head. All right. I got to cross that one off. Hang on a second. The line through there. Um, yeah. no, well, now I'm grateful that I didn't get up at 430 in the morning to do battle ropes. I didn't even know that was a possibility <laughs> for me. So I'm grateful I didn't yeah. do that. Um, you so, know what battle ropes are? The, the, the ropes that you like. Yeah, oh, you it's know. like every, every yeah, UFC yeah. fighter is. You yes. Know, yeah. yes. Yes. Shockingly, not my not my ministry. Um, <laughs> uh, on a very busy. So I have two very basic things. And one of them actually did require me to be up at 430 this morning, but not for a great reason. Oh. One is uh, my dog, who is currently like behind this desk they hopefully he will not make a uh, an appearance during the show luger the premium boy wonderful pitbull uh was just puking and uh going to the bathroom and needed to go out at like three o'clock in the morning and at 4 30 in the morning he is currently no longer doing that he is just here whatever was in is out and he is laying down with me and he's just having he's not making a peep during the show so good times there thank you luger uh and the other one is i have two uh, two daughters nine and six and uh, that is their age, not their names. We didn't name them numerals, um, but they are. Uh, that would be insane. Only seven is an acceptable name. That's right. Exactly. Seven's the name. Um, 
they got ready for school pretty much by themselves today without a whole lot of incident, which as any parent knows, the morning routine of getting them out the door is some days, uh, I think our, my friend Matt offered was, was like, I love to start every day the angriest I've ever been. Like just, <laughs> just like shaking with rage and my teeth, my jaw clenched because I'm just like, brush your teeth. Uh, and so today I didn't have that. I got to like that. We drop them off and it was good. Luger stopped thrown up. And uh, then I got to, I had a, had a meeting. I read a little bit. I talked to you. Like, I'm, I'm not saying I'm grateful, grateful for talking to you, um, but like, yeah, I'm able to move, move into my day without fury, which is a wonderful upgrade. That's, that's a nice start to the day. Not being furious. Um, <laughs> I imagine. So I'm wondering, Dan, what is your level of Chet joy to start the season? It's pretty high, man. I mean, one of the 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 big fears when you see somebody that's or the, when there's somebody who is so exciting and they're the, as a prospect, you're like, I can't wait to see how that translates is then an injury forces you to wait. And then maybe it's like um, the 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 actuality never quite lives up to what you had imagined or what you'd envisioned. And that has not been the case. You know, the the, the promise of this is a an immediate difference maker who stylistically looks and feels different than many other similar kinds of players or similar uh, levels of prospect, which then creates interesting stuff to watch on the floor in like every matchup uh, has totally translated. Um, my, my former colleague, uh, Zach Cram at the ringer noted uh, in his column earlier today, Chet's got 24 stocks like steals and blocks combined through the first seven games, which is like not just on a rookie level, it's like tied for third most in the league. It's like AD, Wembenyama, Chet, and Osar Thompson, which also rookies that come in ready to defend right away is insane. Um, yeah. And to be that kind of like event creating difference maker is just totally, totally nuts. But when I was like, I wrote about the Thunder as one of my five most interesting teams of the season heading into the, the season as like a preview conceit. And one of the things was they had they built a team with a big hole in it in one specific place because they were just waiting for the guy to fill the hole like we're going to play five out we know we don't have a rim protector we know we don't have that that sh uh, shot creator there but we're going to play guys who are who do some of those things but not all of it at once in the way that we needed to we just really hope that this like round hole has a round peg that fits into it. And then he has been exactly that. It's been like, Oh, right. Yeah. That's what you guys were doing all last year. Or the last couple of seasons, like waiting for this to all sort of come together. Um, I think it's interesting to me that he is just like fearless in terms of nose for the ball. Like he's, I think he's drawing shooting fouls on like 20% of his shots because he's just going right up through contact. Um, and he's contesting more shots at the basket than anybody in the league. Like, yeah. He is willing to get, you know, a shoulder put into him. He's willing to get dunked on. He's willing to, you know, maybe catch an elbow in the face as he goes up. But um, he's got some stuff to his game, man. And so, like, it's not just the wacky inflatable tube man arms. It's like there's some real uh, there's some nasty in there. So uh, that he immediately plugs in to a top 10 offense. And as like he helps make the spacing of that and the the orientation of that work. He's able to with the you know the block shots. He's keeping them all in bounds too, which is helping kickstart the transition game. And then he's a trail sh shooter and a trail playmaker on those transition games. So it's like it rounds out the offensive profile a lot. He's going to get pushed around on the on the defensive glass. That's you know the the offensive rebound rate for other teams is is huge, and that's a concern. But like that's going to come with strength, and it's going to come with time. And he's already bringing so much to the table that if that's the area, like. All right, then all of our all of these great big wings that we've got got to go gang rebound, you know, like let's give him some help there because he's giving us help sort of all over the place around it. Um, and it's, it's kind of nice to see a plan come together that way. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I told um, I had Jay Kyle Mann from The Ringer, who's a friend of mine on, and I told him a little bit about this never too, liked that so guy. For, never liked him once. I know. Talk about unlikable people. Um, <laughs> so he uh, Sam Vecini from The Athletic told me and I, 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 I keep going back to this because I think it's just so perfectly uh, framed. Sam was saying, you know, like much like what you said, the Thunder sort of left a hole in their in their roster. Right. And then they went to go get that player. And so on draft night. 2022 they're looking to get that player and all they needed was like a seven foot guy who can guard the pick and roll as an elite rim protector is a connector on offense be great if he could shoot some threes and essentially like as as sam put it 
uh, he's that's effing impossible to get. Yes, right. But they got it at number two. You know. Yeah, like all right. Uh, while we're wishing for things, let's get a pony. You know, right? Like there's not <laughs> yeah. it, it, not exactly right. not exactly easy to fill to fill all those roles in one fell swoop. And then like he's there. I mean. You have a guy, obviously, I mean, the, some of this is small sample stuff and, the, you know, the three-point shooting, if the three-point shooting doesn't come down and he shoots 55% from three or whatever, great, we'll take it. But yeah, you've got a guy who's averaging like a point and a half per shot attempt and his rim protection is like right, but in terms of uh, defensive field goal percentage at the rim, it's right between like Evan Mobley and Jaron Jackson Jr. Like that's how can you ask for more uh you know right off the rip right uh as, as a guy coming into the league so i mean I, and i will admit i was a little i i i tend to even though i you know we we're talking about operating from a place of joy and, and positivity on on the podcast i was a little bit like i don't want to get so far ahead of myself with this like there's yeah. all these arrows pointing in the right direction for the thunder um, but like, it's a lot to ask of a super young team and it's a lot to ask of Chet right away. But for him, if this is who he is now and yes, the rookie wall will come and guys will get tired and whatever. But like, if this is who he is, the concerns that I had about the floor potentially dropping out, um, th th those go away. Like this, there's no reason to believe that this shouldn't be a playoff team. Like a, like, and not a, yeah, it's a deep West, yada, yada, yada. But like, if this is the floor with him in the mix, there's no reason to believe that this team shouldn't be a, pl a playoff team here year in and year out from here on out. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting to hear him talk about where he is. I, I think he's, he's pretty insightful. He's, he's a little funny. He's really dry. Um, but he's, he's talked about, you know, um, one of the things when he came in, he talked about this yesterday after practice, I was talking to him about this process of sort of getting integrated into a team. And one of the things he said was like finding that balance between being aggressive and playing the way you play. And as he put it, not, not making it the Chet show, as he said, it's never going to be the Chet show. Um, it's the thunder. Um, right. it is kind of the Chet show. I hate to let him know that he had a rebound the <laughs> other night and brought it up the floor and threw like a perfect behind the back pass to Casey Wallace for a layup. And like, <laughs> that's Chet show stuff, man. I can't, like, I can't, I can't, we can't argue that. Like he's, he's really, he's putting on a show. It's really been fun to watch. You know, the, the, um, the interesting thing with him, when we talk about, and especially I think when you talk about framing things in terms of positivity and all that, you know, people say all the time, comparison is the thief of joy, right? Mm -hmm. That's like a, I think this will be my second Rick Pitinoism. I believe that's one he likes to use uh, quite a lot, but like, how are you with the idea that we've got two of these guys essentially, um, and they're just kind of, kind of be compared forever. Some of that's unavoidable, you know, I mean, there's yeah. the, uh, I think if it's while I, I love that saying for what it reminds, you know, comparison is the thief of joy for what it reminds you, like, you got to keep your eyes on your own paper. You can't run on everybody else's race, whatever, you know, the versions of that that are like, you need to focus on what you, you know, your thing and not let somebody else's success, you know, diminish what you, what you feel. But that's also like, that's a slider that we should be able to control right and like i think one of the things that is fun about doing this job and the way that we do it and the way that i've tried to do it is you you can hold more than one thought at one time and you can say like it does if if you believe if victor wembanyama winds up being one of the greatest players of all time it won't mean that chet holmgren wasn't also great Right. It doesn't mean so saying like, I mean, yes, they will come into direct comparison for something like rookie of the year. Right. Or people will you know, say, well, they had this sort of burbling, uh, you know, antipathy when they played in preseason. And, you know, every every game that they play each other is going to be a rivalry brewing and whatever. And maybe that's true. I mean, I have no idea. But if if you are of the mindset to say, like, no, only one of you gets to be really good or only one of you gets to be loved and praised, like. I would respectfully submit that that is a pretty limited mind for mindset and uh, a uh, what you're doing there is, is removing a, 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 a ramp way to enjoying something pretty freaking cool uh, for no reason. And so like the fact that they are producing the way they are in wildly different contexts, like I think there's a way to look at it. It's like, well, what Wemben is doing is like he was walking into a team that basically made no sense. And he's instantly a like 30% usage rate guy and has to be the centerpiece of what they're doing every possession. And that is a very hard thing to be like. There's no, I'm not saying that that is an easy job, but 
you come into a team that already has an all NBA first team player that already has established guys that is expected to be a playoff team and you're the second pick in the draft and you got to come in and be like, you better be good right now because this team is pretty ready to be good right now. That is a very different you know, that is a pretty hard job too. Um, and so for him to be performing this efficiently, this effectively, not seeming at all like, uh, you know, I don't see a whole lot of lip quiver in Chet Holmgren in the moment, yeah. you know, he seems pretty, yeah. pretty ready to be here. Um, and that, that, like, it, and to fit in that role and to do it with the mindset, as you're saying of like, I'm not going to make this about me. It's got to be about what I do for us. That is a pretty rare and special thing for a young guy too. And to be able to hit the ground running this, this, this well, um, I think that is, uh, it is worth celebrating both of them. And, and also in doing so specifically noting that the two different things they're doing are both really hard for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing that the comparison doesn't have to steal the joy. If you just have joy with both of them, just like, yes, I'm having a blast watching both those guys. I joy is a renewable resource night. and it's not, there's yes. no, there doesn't have to be a scarcity of it. A hundred percent. I'm watching Victor every time I get a chance. I'm watching Chet every night. It's fantastic. Um, to, to the larger point here, I think something you said, really an interesting time for Thunder fans. And this is something I wanted to get into and I was saving for last. Um, we know what happens to young teams in the NBA. We know the, the threat of what can happen, right? Sometimes they develop and they come along and it's really fun. The first iteration of the Thunder was like this for a very long time. Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook grew up together in the NBA. They were really good together. Um, you know, they, they made a, an NBA finals together. And then, you know, some things sort of start to fracture. Um, I, Joel Embiid once in an interview said, we're not going to be the Thunder when it came to him and Ben Simmons. And guess what happened? They fractured as well. And things pulled <laughs> yeah, apart. They, they never seems... got, they never got anywhere near as far as the thunder. So I'll tell you <laughs> that's that much. True. They were not the thunder. That is a fair point. They were never anywhere close to as good. Um, maybe it's happening right now with the Grizzlies for different kinds of reasons. It's a very different situation, but things that look like a given this team is on their trajectory and it's headed there. And it kind of is, is coming apart a little. Doesn't mean they can't put it back together, but I think it's so easy to think about those things, especially in an NBA where, you know, what we all know to be true about the Thunder is that they're young and they're exciting and they look like they're building towards something great. And the other thing we know as a result of the world we live in is like, they're just Shea Gilgis Alexander saying, I'd like to be in Toronto away from all of this kind of coming apart. Right. And so I'm curious, and that is not to say I think Shea is going to do that. Sure, of course. But that's the, that's the threat. That's the looming threat over all these. It's the threat with Zion. It's, the threat with, it's been the threat with Giannis, um, who has not been above threats himself, I, I guess, uh, on his side of it. Um, but I, I think it can be hard to just enjoy what is happening now. Like, if this team is back in the play-in, if it's a game out of the play-in, there's a chance for it to make real progress and build towards something real. But I do think that all that stuff kind of creeps into your enjoyment of a young team. And I, I you know, as we talked about, uh, you grow up with the Knicks, you've not seen many exciting young teams build into something. But like, how do you do it? How do you focus on what's in front of you right now and not think too much about like, oh, what if Josh Giddy decides he wants to be on the ball more? You know what I mean? Yeah. Something that I think about a ton is um, a friend of mine, uh, Paul Flannery, who's uh, covered the Celtics for a long time and was a great national writer for SB Nation. Uh, now runs a great uh, writes a great running uh, newsletter and Substack and does some other things. But the way he talked about the NBA was like, like the best time you can have in this league is right before you get really good. Like yeah. that. And so it's it, the and the, I think the the team that he was talking about at that point was I think like the second year Trey Young Hawks. And it was like, everyone loves that guy. He's exciting and he's fun. And there, like you see the arrow going up. And then like, now Paul wasn't saying this. He was saying, enjoy that moment. The unspoken part after the ellipsis there is like, now wait a year and see where we are after that. And it's like, well, as soon as you get good, then everything is, there's no, it's, it, there's expectations and there's who's getting paid and who's not getting paid and who's not getting enough touches, who's not getting enough minutes. And, you know, you have to move this guy because you've got to you know, cycle the contracts out and replenish the pick coffers. And, oh, do we need to dangle this guy? We need to start trading our picks because this is the window and all of these pressures and pressures and pressures. Um, 
And you see teams that have kind of like gone through that and navigated through it. I mean, the Thunder are a really interesting one to me because I, I think one of the times that I remember thinking about that quote most was in that like intervening one year, not really a rebuild when CP3 came to town. And it was like, yeah. there was no pressure on any of that. Like everybody knew that was not going to last. It was just a transitional thing, but man, let's have some fun with this while we can, right? Like we stumbled into a 48 win team that was pretty cool. And like, all right, rad. Um, I think the way that I, I have started to think more about this is windows are like the, the league is accelerating the pace of contention, the pace of competitive windows, the pace of rosters built and torn down. It's all going so fast now that you kind of can't afford to say, I'm not going to invest myself totally in this now. I'll wait until later when they're ready for me to be like, if you dig what you're seeing, then you got to be like the teams that go all in and start dealing all their picks or whatever, like go all in on what you enjoy today, because there's no guarantee that it's going to last. There's no guarantee that it's going to look exactly the way you have it, you know, imagined in your head for years to come. Um, and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. You will never have to return to the store the enjoyment you had of watching them today. Like you, uh, <laughs> right. you will not be, you know, the government will not come and take it away from you at your at your house. You will still get to hold on to that and retain it, and you will not regret the time that you spent being like, "This is not perfect." It's maybe it doesn't end in the finals. Only one team wins every year. Twenty nine other teams don't. And if you don't find something else to enjoy along the way, or find other reasons to dig it while you're while that's going on. Um, you're probably going to want spend more seasons disappointed than you are happy. And if I'm a Thunder fan, I'm looking at this and saying the management of this team has in the space of what, three, four years pivoted from we've lost like the two most important players in franchise history and a third superstar who decided to re to re up here and then left and not only completely rebounded from that, but found us another generational superstar, like five, at least five other guys that are super fun and worth investing in. And we've got competitive, interesting basketball every night with a reason to believe for more. It's about as good a pitch as a team can give you in, in today's NBA. Because also, like the other side of that, I thought about this with the Sixers. You mentioned Embiid and, and Simmons before. In a vacuum, and I wrote about this in my five most interesting teams column too, in a vacuum, they are a level of success that every fan base or almost every fan base in the league, three quarters at least, should love to have. Like perennial 50-win team, MVP of the league, uh, won multiple yeah. playoff series, you know, like have a young ascendant star in Maxi to watch and yada, yada, yada. There's young guys that are interesting. There's a new coach and some uh, new designs and style and things. and they go into the season and every year it's like, well, this is the worst. Like this is, uh, <laughs> it, no, nothing right. could it's be true. more punishing. There could be no, you know, no fate worse than being a Philadelphia 76ers fan because of the, the accumulated weight of all the other nonsense, the thunder, no other nonsense, like just the upside. And so I know it is, it can be difficult to, to, sort of just grab grab that with two hands and hang on to it today when there's all there's when there is that reason to believe that there's even greater gains coming um but even if those if the, and if they come fantastic we'll enjoy that more when we get there too but um this part where they figure it all out you a lot of times fans wind up looking back and saying like well that was the part that was the most special you know seeing them kind of go keep that hero's journey going from bad to play in to play off to these, you know, uh, you know, the, the victories don't mean as much without the losses along the way. And if you're enjoying them as they're all happening and enjoying that process, um, then you're getting the full experience, man. It's what it means to be alive. You know, if you, if you can uh, get that as you're going, you're doing a pretty good job. Yeah. It was interesting. Mark Dignall said yesterday that, um, some of the stuff you were just talking about, and he was talking about it relative to Shea Gildas Alexander. This 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 way that like when you achieve a certain level that Shea's gotten to now, there's a natural gravitational pull away from your team. It comes with endorsement opportunities, it comes with your salary, it comes with individual honors, all that kind of stuff. And what he said is like when you fight that, it's a choice to fight it. It's a choice yeah. to belong and fit in. And he makes that choice every day. I think he's a great player to have be this 
this swing guy because I, I do think he's invested in winning here. And I think, you know, I think there are some parallels between him and, and sort of the, the situation in Denver where Jokic and Murray have just seemed really bought into that thing. There's never like, you never feel like Jokic is holding the Nuggets hostage. He's never been like, I don't know if he knows what they do in the offseason. I don't even know if he checks, you know, like, I don't, I don't even know if he's aware of who they've signed or whatever, but you never get this sense of he's like, well, if you don't do this thing, like I've got this one foot out the door, I'll just drag the other one out too. If you don't do what I need. And, and there's saying that there's been none of that with Shea does not mean there won't ever be any of it, but there certainly hasn't been any hint of it. And I do think that should put your mind at ease a little. If you're a Thunder fan, even if people like me are casually saying he could just say he wants to go to Toronto without really thinking about what you're saying. Well, um, yeah, that, that, that's part of it too. You know, uh, when you, when you're lucky enough to find one of those players and develop one of those players and, and resign and have one of those players, um, you are always, you have something that everybody else wants. And it's the, the, the privilege and the pressure that comes along with that is that you owe it to that player and to the the caliber of star that you've, that, that you've fostered there to put that star in position to succeed at the highest level, because that is what that talent is going to seek and demand. Um, but there's been no indication that, I mean, uh, the, SGA was the name that people were looking at, like, well, if they keep tanking, is he going to want to ask out or what team yeah. with all the, all the picks is going to go after him? It's like, well, actually they're going to get better and they're already going to have all the picks. So there's no reason to do that. And they're going to pay him as much as they possibly can. And he's going to wind up with, uh, I mean, if, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of the faces of Skims um, while being in Oklahoma City. So big endorsement Correct. deal, you know, all NBA first team max contract on a competitive team that's got the, you know, most overflowing war chest in the league. Like, why why go someplace else if you don't feel like you got to, right? And so um, the the pressure comes when it's like, well, now we, we need to make, you know, you need to like nail the move here in order mm -hmm. to get us to that next level. And that pressure is going to come. I mean, you can't pay everybody, or if you can, it'll be interesting to see how they navigate uh, what those salaries look like as, you know, Giddy and J-Dub and J-Will and everybody else wind up coming up, uh, you know, Chet, because of the, the clock starting uh, a year earlier, like his extension is going to come up sooner too. So like, what that looks like, you've stockpiled all those picks because you know you're going to have to wind up cycling through some you know new rookie scale deals. So who winds up being part of that collective core? Who doesn't? There's a lot of decisions to make, um, but those are the tomorrow's decisions, right? And uh, in the meantime, if you it, the same way that SGA has to make the choice to not get far away from the team, even though he has the sort of resume that could let could lead you there. Fans get to make the choice of, I'll get there when I get there. You know, we'll get to what those picks turn into and we'll get to which guy doesn't get to be part of the long-term plans when we get there. Because um, right now you've got like 12 dudes worth watching or, or more than that on this roster <laughs> right. on any given night and playing a pretty exciting style of ball that, you know, and winning more than you're losing. And I think before long, it'll be winning a lot more than you're losing. So um, that's a choice you get to make too. And I think like it's uh, it's worth remembering the agency we have in some of those, those conversations and situations, but uh, the, th and cause you know, Thunder fans know full well, like just because it looks like you're going to get there every year doesn't mean you're gonna. So enjoy what you got while you got it. Dan, this has been awesome. Before I let you go, you always ask the people on your show to just recommend something. I love that idea. The idea of just, you know, it doesn't have to be basketball related, but it can be. Anything that, that you'd like to tell people, anything you want to share with anybody to say, hey, like, check this thing out. It, it made me happy. All right. Um, this is not, it's not like a deep cut pull. So you'll forget, please forgive me if it's a little bit basic. But um, if you haven't watched Reservation Dogs on uh, FX on Hulu, I believe, um, it's one of the most special pieces of television I can remember watching. Um, it's the, 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 the young actor performances are just absolutely incredible. It's really like, beautifully heartfelt writing that's genuinely hilarious a lot of the time uh really cool filmmaking super creative um i forget how many seasons three seasons i forget how, how many there were but um it just wrapped up the last season uh earlier this it, it must have been over the summer because i was able to do it in between nba um but it's uh 
especially uh, I, I think if, if you like things that are funny and you like and you like drama and you like stories that are you know it's, it's set on you know on reservations so it's like a traditionally underrepresented people in media uh, and in shows like this it's a soup like it's a, a a wellspring of emotionally interesting stuff uh so if you like to laugh if you like to cry if you like whatever dramatic tension it's all in there uh coming of age stories and you know what happens when you're in the middle age past your youth and what happens when you're the on the older side of things and you're looking back and wistfully and everything else what kind of life can you have when you're at that point there's a little bit of everything in there it's a big human experience kind of show um so reservation dogs uh fx on hulu there you go and now I guess Hulu uh, FX, uh, you know, come at me with some sponsorship dollars. I suppose I don't know. Well, come at, <laughs> well, come at sell out you crowd. Go. You know what? I'll say that if you're if 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 anyone at FX or Hulu is talking is, is thinking about sponsoring anything, let's get it to sell out crowd. Let's, let's support the people. We appreciate that very much. <laughs> that uh, Reservation Dogs is not one I have seen. It is on my list. I've got the whole season two of The Bear to get through still for my flights upcoming. Also very uh, that good. Is freshly downloaded for uh, for watching. So excited about that. Dan, tell people, I know that they can find your work. At, uh, they can follow you on Twitter um, at Your Man Divine, which they should do. Anything you're working on or anything you want people to check out? Uh, yeah. So, well, first off, thank you so much for, you know, having me on. This has been a genuine treat. Um, yeah, you could find my, I'm a, uh, on Twitter at your man divine other places too, although I'm not really good at knowing what to post there, like blue sky, I'm there and yeah. threads I'm there, but it's mostly just links to the stuff I've been writing and working on. So you can find all that stuff. It's at, at Yahoo sports uh, on the Yahoo sports app as well. Um, I just wrote a kind of longer thing, although I guess I only write longer things. People make fun of me for that. Um, but uh, I wrote a longer thing about the Milwaukee Bucks. I just caught them when they were in Brooklyn, um, about their kind of trying to build the plane as they're flying it, figuring out how to reorganize their roster around Dame and with a new coach and new defensive style and everything. So I was able to actually get a little time to talk to some of those guys a little bit. So uh, I think that came out well. I would point people toward that. Um, the podcast stuff is taking up an increasing amount of my week, which is a, an exciting thing. Uh, on Tuesdays, we do Divine Intervention, um, which is a self-help podcast about basketball. We talked about it earlier, if it sounds interesting. First episode was with Jason Concepcion. Second was with Zach Lowe of ESPN. And the third one just went up yesterday, Tom Haberstroh of Meadowlark Media. Um, uh, I think they're all fun. So check those out. And on Thursdays, me and my colleague, Jake Fisher, the People's Insider, our senior NBA reporter at Yahoo Sports, do a podcast called No Cap Room. Uh, which is a two-hander where he makes fun of me for being old and I make fun of him for being young. It's pretty good. Uh, and then in the in the middle, sometimes we talk about the NBA. So yeah, you can find all that on the Ball Don't Lie podcast feed anywhere you get your podcasts, YouTube, and everywhere else like that. Um, links to everything and little jokes on social media. That's that's what I, what I wind up doing. So Brett, thank you so much for having me on, man. It's been a blast. Thank you, Dan. I highly recommend that you start at the beginning of Divine Intervention because there probably is present company excluded no better podcast guest than jason concepcion who is <laughs> no 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 J an jason endless delight jason is very high, way above me in that ranking like so <laughs> I, I appreciate that kindness but yeah no there's a reason i wanted jason on at the start we had to start with a high bar and then try to beat it from there a hundred percent it's a great episode it's a great podcast i recommend everybody listen to it dan thank you so much appreciate it we'll talk to you somewhere down the road thanks and quickly, a reminder that if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to Heard Thundering on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah.